Welcome to Dubs OT, your weekly Warriors podcast on thesportsvirus.com. Now, here are your hosts, Ray Woodson and Joe Castellano. Wow, that was exciting, Ray. What a game between the Warriors and the Bucks, and uh, we are delighted to talk about it here on Dubs OT as the Warriors win in dramatic fashion, 122 to 121 over the Milwaukee Bucks without Anadokounmpo, uh, Giannis anyway, his brother played, but what a game by Steph Curry, he scores 41, and uh, just when you thought the Warriors were kind of done on their season, the way they had been playing lately, they come up with a gem, uh, especially the way they played down the stretch of the game, and Curry saves the day once again with just a spectacular performance. Well, just when you think they're out, they pull you back in. That's what I've been saying all year. And, and just when you think they're in, they check out again. Uh, just when they get run out of the country by the Raptors, they come up with a game like tonight, which was really a terrific ball game and a terrific effort to come back when it looked like the Bucks were going to pull away in the fourth quarter up by 10. And uh, since I guess all the Warriors podcasts like to take credit for everything, maybe we should take credit for saying early in the season <laughs> that uh, Steve Kerr ought to read the situation game by game and not just stick to a script about how many minutes he plays Steph Curry. You know, knowing that you can't play him 40 every night, but certain nights you got to read the room and get him in there early. And uh, what happened in the fourth quarter tonight, Joe? Yeah, he played uh, more time. He came in, I think it was about the eight-minute mark, eight-something, and ended up playing 37 minutes, almost 38 minutes in the game. And the Warriors did have a, a few days here before their next game, so that was the reasoning. Uh, Steve Kerr, after the yeah. game, did address that, said, you know, we have a – a couple of days off before our next game on Friday, so he decided to go a little extra with Steph. Yeah, yeah, it makes sense. And Steph has missed a couple of games also. So, uh, you know, I guess in, in that regard, he's not piling up the minutes. Of course, the tailbone injury necessitated that, and he took a pretty bad spill in the fourth quarter tonight. He said on TNT postgame that he's wearing a butt pad, and he says it's <laughs> the first time he's, he's bragged about that. But that's what he needs to wear right now to, to protect that tailbone. But, you know, it, it hasn't stopped him when he gets going uh, from still being the guy that is their most valuable player. I mean, they're 13th in the league in offensive efficiency with Steph. They're historically bad without him. And tonight, 41 points. He's a big reason why they won. You know, Draymond Green fouled out, and they got a, a big contribution from Kent Bazemore uh, down the stretch, and he got a big bucket late. And, you know, uh, Baseball is an interesting guy. He looks like he's always flirting with disaster, right? Like he's <laughs> playing almost out of control. And then he comes up with a great play or an energy play, and he had big defense uh, on that last putback attempt by the Bucks tonight. Uh, I think he got a piece of the shot. Uh, he got the big bucket late. He hit a three in the corner, and he gives you tremendous energy. And guess what? Tim Kawakami pointed this out. His uh, cumulative plus-minus for the season is second on the Warriors behind Steph Curry. So huh. he's doing something right. I, I wish he passed the ball to Curry once in a while. You notice that, that Curry gives up the ball to, to Baysmore. He never sees it again. <laughs> and, you know, Baysmore can do some things offensively, but come on. I mean, you want to get the ball in Curry's hand if you can. But uh, I, I, the flip side is I appreciate the aggressiveness and the energy of both ends, and I think it made a difference tonight for the Warriors. 
How about that near uh, basket interference call that that was off a shot by Bazemore and Brooke Lopez? Uh, you know that, yeah. that was it was close, and I think they made the right call, but they had to go to replay on that. But that that would have been uh, interesting right there. The Warriors would have had two more points, and Brooke Lopez kind of turned into Jerry Tarkanian. He was he was biting on a towel. He was so worried about that. that. <laughs> <laughs> that was a close one, but uh, I th- I do think they made the right call, and that was one of those plays where. Curry gave up the ball to Baysmore and didn't see it again and uh, almost got bailed out uh, from that decision. But uh, listen, it, it, it's pretty simple with the Warriors. You see what's open for Steph. You make sure Steph can can do what he does. And he's he's taking matters into his own hands sometimes. And and, and sometimes you got to clear out. And if the shot's not there for him, okay, then you find the open guy. But it's got to revolve around Steph. It's, it's his team. And if they're going to have any chance, any kind of puncher's chance, uh, he's got to be able to get it done. Uh, it's not like previous years. And, and again, I know uh, a lot of the fans, a lot of critics out there are saying that they, they can't run their regular offense that Steve Kerr likes to run with this team that's currently constituted. But I'll say this. I mean, next year when Clay Thompson is back, and if he's back to being the Clay that he was, I think you can start going back to some of those concepts. And then you've got to find out who fits in that. But a good coach, you know, they'll they'll win with uh, good personnel. But uh, the great coaches will win with changing personnel and won't just try to put a square peg in a round hole and fit their concept of the offense. Uh, and instead, maybe tailoring what they do to the to the talent that they have. And I think Steve Kerr is gradually making that adjustment. I think you saw it in the way they use Wiseman, a little more pick and roll, doing the things that he's comfortable with, and you know he. He got a couple of jabs in early, and what happens with a young player when they get a couple of buckets early? They've got energy, and I think you saw that tonight with Wiseman. He ends up with 13 points and 10 rebounds. I think it was a pretty good outing for him. It's just like Kerr said pregame. The pieces haven't quite fit this year, and they're still figuring some things out. And you know, we've talked about some things they can do, and they've tried different things as far as how to use them in the lineup with mixed results, you know, and it's been a kind of a painful year for him, but I thought it was at least a positive for Wiseman tonight. Yeah, and I'd like to talk more about him, but first, I did want to get a little bit into Steph Curry and the MVP race because, I mean, I, I swear I'm not being biased about this. I mean, to me, my definition of a most valuable player is that your team is is not as good in, in a big way. I mean, there's a big difference between your team with that MVP and without him. And I think for the Warriors compared to other teams who have MVP candidates, it's, it's bigger. It's a bigger deal. And I mean, you mentioned it, that, you know, they can't seem to you know win at all without Steph. And when he's there, he's just been phenomenal this year. And I'm not saying that there aren't other candidates, including Giannis, but look at the way the Bucks played without Giannis and the way they've been playing uh, and, and the way the Warriors play without Steph. To me, that's, you know, evidence right there, exhibit A, that uh, Steph, I mean, he's not hands down the MVP, but I think he's the MVP. Well, I, I think that he makes as strong an argument this year as any year, especially if they make the playoffs, because, it really is a drop off a cliff. I said in the last podcast, and I thought after the podcast, well, maybe I'm being a little harsh when I say that, you know, with Steph, they're competitive. Without him, they're garbage. But the numbers <laughs> backed it up. The number, they have the worst offense in the NBA in the last five years of any team when you take Steph out. In fact, it might be the worst offense since the shot clock era began. It's been, it's just 
mattingly inefficient without Steph. There's just nobody else who can really get it done. I mean, some nights Wiggins, Cabot, Oubre had a couple of nice uh, wing threes in the fourth quarter to help keep the Warriors close. But night in, night out, there's only one player on this team, only one who can get it done that it gives you the puncher's chance, and that's Steph. And, and if they have any chance of making the playoffs, it's because of him. Without him, they're the team they were last year. They're 15-50. and 50. Yeah, and how about the entertainment factor, too? I know that has nothing to do with the MVP race, but, you know, since Michael Jordan, there's great players to watch. I mean, there's entertainment abound in the NBA. There's so many fantastic players. But when you're watching the Warriors with Steph versus without him, it's just no contest as far as TV ratings uh, could imagine. You know, just the the, uh, game itself – the aesthetics of it and the excitement and, and the chance to win a game with him in there. And it's not just threes. I mean, the way he drives to the basket, he's gotten a lot better at that too. The way he facilitates, he's got two or three players surrounding him at all times and he's still making these plays. Yeah. He's, he's amazing. He really is. And again, still taking a beating. He started off the year so fresh because obviously he had a lot of downtime in the last, uh, in the previous year. But he continues to bring the energy night in and night out. And uh, tonight was, you know, one of his finest performances. Uh, you know, it, it's it, to me, it's about a couple of things for the Warriors going forward. Make sure Clay's healthy. Get another scoring threat uh, along with Clay to either start with these guys or be a hybrid between starter and working with the second unit. And I, I think they have to find another power forward and another big. Uh, to back up Wiseman, and then Wiseman's going to have to go to work this summer. Uh, you know, you can see where the talent is. Uh, it's just he's been kind of lost in what the Warriors have been doing, and I think to some extent the Warriors haven't been quite sure exactly how to use him. They're, they're both kind of learning together. I guess Kevin Durant is trying to give uh, Wiseman some, some advice on uh, how, to, how to work with the Warriors system. He said that he talks to him almost, almost on a daily basis, hmm. and I don't think that's a bad thing. Uh, no. Why wouldn't you you get some advice from a, from an MVP? So, uh, all I can say is, if they lost this game, and you're looking at eight losses, nine games, and then you got a back to back coming up, even though they've got some bottom feeder teams that are coming up, they had a chance to get some wins. It was going to make it a much harder climb if they didn't get this one at home. Now they got it, and they do have a chance to get back to 500 and then maybe stay there. And I think that's the best-case scenario for this team for the rest of the year if they're going to um, get to a playoff spot. But as we have seen, you know, they can follow up a game like this that gives you encouragement with a couple of clunkers. And that's just what I worry about with this team. It just seems (laughs) like overall, you know, it's still going in the wrong direction, still falling back down towards Sacramento, uh, down towards New Orleans. So, um, you know, prove me wrong, I guess, in this next week or so, because I think this is the stand. they got to get these wins against teams like Houston and Washington and, and get back to the 500 mark, and, and maybe psychologically that gives this season some purpose because we haven't really seen it up to this point. I mean, they, are they kind of looking to be competitive? Are they kind of looking to develop? How do they, they, they mash up the two? It's it, You know, I'm not saying it's all their fault, especially when Clay went down. That's just through this whole season into, into doubt. You still had Steph, but you still weren't sure what they are. And to an extent, I, I, I'm still not sure. I mean, because you've got players you're relying on, like Wiggins, who was invisible for most of the night. And he does that. He'll, he'll have a dominant game, and then he's invisible. Well, it's hard to have an identity 
when you can't depend on your players outside of Curry, night in and night out. That's just the way they are this year. They're just a sort of a mishmash, and they're they're clawing their way toward toward a playoff spot or or toward the bottom. We'll find out in the next week or ten days. Yeah, I'll I'll give Wiggins credit. He did have that block on Middleton at the end of the game. He did. Yeah, he and, did. and he just didn't have a shot. But you're right. I mean, he disappears from time to time. You know, it's interesting too, Ray, with Wiseman is that you're starting him and you're trying to get him as much experience as possible. But when it's crunch time, the end of the game, he was not in there. I mean, that's telling in a way. Uh, but you do like to see. The chemistry that's developing Wiseman and Curry and even Wiseman and Poole, because that was something I was questioning on the last podcast, and I saw a little bit of a better chemistry tonight. Poole was able to find Wiseman a little bit, and you know some of those high ball screens uh, and then Wiseman just cutting to the basket and driving hard to the basket, that's going to work in his favor. He seems to be getting more confident in that area. Yeah, yeah, more so than just having him down on the low block. Because he's not a classic NBA center. No. He's going to do his damage on the move, right? On the run. Yeah. And he can move pretty quickly, and he can cover a lot of ground. And in the transition game, and, and, and alley-oops and things like that, lob passes for dunks, um, you know, maybe a, a drop step in the lane here and there. But he's just not physically strong enough to go up against some of the bigger centers in the league right now. So I think that they have to issue that. And, and with him in the game, make it more of that uh, high pick-and-roll that you're referring to. Uh, and I, I think that'll get him more engaged and more involved as well. And I think you saw at least a glimpse of that uh, tonight. Uh, so, uh, you know, I, 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 the best two scenarios, they win some games, they get in playoff contention, and they actually get to the postseason while getting Wiseman to development. And I know Steve Kerr said pregame that development doesn't necessarily translate to minutes on the floor. It can be other things as well for a rookie far as learning moments being on the bench and talking to the coaches and talking to Draymond Green or, or Steph Curry or whomever. So um, I, 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 can, I can understand that, that you, you want to be able to have him learn in any way possible, take a holistic approach. But at the end of the day, in this league and really in any walk of life, okay, when I start off in radio back in 19 in school, uh, <laughs> They didn't have any communication classes in my school. They didn't have a communications department. You just get on the student radio station and you make mistakes and you say stupid things and you learn. It's the same thing with Wiseman and being on the court. There's really, really no substitute for that. So I hope as the time goes on that he earns his minutes, but also that the coaches show him a little more trust as well. Let's hear what Steve Kerr had to say about James Wiseman after the win against the Bucks. I, I, we had James in in high ball screens quite a bit, both with Steph and uh, a little bit with Andrew and and uh, Jordan as well. And Jordan had a really nice stretch there in the second quarter, uh, where he and uh, he and James connected on some plays. And uh, yeah, I think that's uh, that's what we're really trying to lock in on. Um, you know, for for James is just simplifying things, setting a lot of ball screens, uh, diving to the rim. You know, locking in on the glass, getting some boards, and and just playing with energy. And I thought he did a great job of that tonight. And uh, he's got a good connection with Jordan. You know, they enjoy uh, practicing together. They, you know, they're they're similar aged and uh, young guys who are just new to the league. So they feed off each other a little bit. And uh, I thought they did a good job out there tonight together. Well, a big part of it for Wiseman Ray, in my opinion, is the mental part of it because we've seen yeah. him 
Um, you know, it's not like he's moping around, but you know how important it is to him. And uh, he's just living and dying with this. And actually, I, I encourage everybody listening to check out some of the stories that Connor Letourneau has written in the San Francisco Chronicle because he's done a really great job of chronicling Wiseman and his season and what he's going through. And, uh, you know, his mom is living, I think it's four or five floors below him in the apartment complex in San Francisco. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so he finally said, you know, I'm not going to go on social media anymore because, uh, or at least for now, because he was getting a lot of criticism. And, and that's the thing. I mean, he just, it's, it really is eating at him when he doesn't play well. And that's a, a really big part of what's going on with James, I think, this season. Well, yeah. I was, he's somebody who's 19 turning 20, number two overall pick. So there's that spotlight on you on a team that's been one of the best in basketball for the past half decade. Uh, and you're trying to mix in with an icon like Steph Curry and with an all-star like Draymond Green. Not that easy. Uh, and, you know, the expectations are very high. And then you see what LaMelo Ball is doing and Anthony Edwards and so forth, and you feel like you need to keep up with that to justify it. And, and trying to learn how to play in the NBA when you play three college games and you're up to 50 games now in the league. I mean, that's a lot to throw to a kid. And, and then you've got COVID as well. And he had to go through the COVID protocol once and then missed the test. And really, that's the most egregious thing he's done this season. So, uh, you know, all things being considered, if he's able to get through this gauntlet, like I said, and they're able to somehow get to the playoffs, it'll be a worthwhile season for him and a very good learning experience that he can take into the offseason where he does his work and comes back a little better player with a better team next year. But uh, in the meantime, he is what he is. And, you know, that's why I, I, I don't gnash my teeth too much because, uh, heck, when I was 20 years old, I barely had enough money to buy a burrito. <laughs> I, I, I couldn't even make my own spaghetti. And you're, you're asking this guy to do all this stuff. So, you know, you still got to have a little patience. It doesn't mean you don't ask after a certain amount of time, you know, for the player to take some accountability. But I think he's doing that. And, it, you know, he hasn't had the gumby shoulders too much. But I think at the same time, you don't want to lose a, lose a kid and have him lose confidence. So it's a, it's, it's a fine balance. I think he had, uh, what, he had a double-double in the first half. And here's what he said to the media about how much fun he was having in the first half. Man, that was fun as hell. Excuse my language, but it was it was fun. I was super excited, and I was just ready to go out there and just play hard and just have that focus and just have that swagger. So I was most definitely having fun. So he had that going for him, but he, he also had a spectacular missed dunk where he was right at the basket. I don't know how he missed that dunk. I think I he tried know. to go to his right hand. Yeah, that, that looked like uh, some sort of sleight of hand that a musician, musician would do because it, that just didn't seem possible in physics on planet Earth, but it happens. <laughs> you know, these he, great players, he, sometimes they, they mess up. So, you know, I mean... He, he's he's one to watch for sure going down the stretch. But Steph is one to watch sure, for sure to make sure he remains healthy. Um, I, I saw the Kent Bazemore quote after the game that he says, and this sounds very mystic. He said, "This is uh, I'm going off Connor Letourneau's uh, Twitter feed from the Chronicle. The quote is: There's some faint energy off in the distance about some really big things to come. We're really so close to just breaking it open." You know, if I had a dollar for every time I heard that picture, well, I'd have enough to buy a burrito at least. But, you know, okay, that's that's great. You're trying to lure us in again. Don't disappoint us this time because time's running out. 
uh, it, it better be breaking it open soon, because otherwise this thing is going to unravel, and it certainly appeared like it was uh, last week. So uh, there you go. Uh, <laughs> it, it was it was fun to talk about a game like this anyway. I'm curious what you think about the Bucks because without Giannis. Uh, this is still a really good team. I mean, they've won, what, 16 of their last 21, even with this loss to the Warriors, and I'm sure they felt like they should have won the game. But they've got so many scores. They lead the league in scoring. Uh, It just seemed like they were relentless for a while there, just drilling threes left and right. Holiday just signed that contract extension, and he was, you know, just brilliant out there. And then you got Middleton and a bunch of guys who can knock down shots, Portis, it looks like a really deep team that could make a deep run in the playoffs. Yeah, it does. And, you know, they, they're still, they still have a chance to get the top seed. Had they won tonight, I think they, they would have been one back in the loss column and maybe a game and a half back. So, I mean, they're right there. And, you know, getting Giannis back, that, that could put them over the top if there's enough time. But offensively, they look like a well-oiled machine. And they do make a lot of threes. I think they're first in the league in shooting percentage as well. And they're right up there at the top three or four with three points made per game and three-point shooting percentage. You know, they're not great defensively, but they, they do have a lot of weapons. And, you know, that can play during playoff time. One guy's cold, two or three other guys could still drain it. Uh, I thought the ball was going to go to Holiday on that last play. It was seven seconds ago. Then it got away, and it was a, it was a chaos play. And then Wiggins made the nice uh, block on uh, Middleton. And I think it was Baysmore uh, underneath the bucket in the last putback put attempt. So uh, this one time where they didn't get burned by a chaos play, which often happens in the NBA. It's not just the Warriors. But you got Middleton. You got Holiday. Uh, Bobby Portis had a nice game. Giannis's uh, brother, Giannis, uh, was pretty good tonight with 10 points and five rebounds in 20 mm-hmm. minutes. Teague had a nice game off the bench. Forbes hit a couple of threes. So, yeah, they have plenty of weapons. They were 14 to 32 from three-point range. And it looked like that was going to bury the Warriors. But the Warriors got uh, hot from three in the fourth quarter as well to, to stay with them. And I, I think the Bucks still have a chance to get the number one seed. Uh, but, they're, you know, they're, they're going to have to get Giannis back and maybe be a little bit better defensively. I don't know how their schedule looks down the stretch. Of course, that's going to be another difference. But, you know, this is a team that's going to make some noise for sure. The Warriors' immediate upcoming schedule has Washington and Houston next uh, over the weekend. Those are two teams that are not having good seasons. Uh, you got the Wizards are 17 and 32, and the Rockets are 13 and 37. It looks like it would be easy, but you know the Warriors weren't playing well. They they just need to concentrate on themselves. I think. Well, you know, you you, you got to get past this game, and you know. You, it's, it gives you some confidence, even though you beat the Bucks without Giannis. It's still a very nice win for the Warriors to come back and, and you know, pull that one out late. Uh, but you've got to beat Washington and Houston at home. I mean, back-to-back, too. So you, you can't lose the energy on that Saturday night game against Houston. These are games you absolutely must have. There's no question about it. And, and then you go and play Denver on Monday night, and then you bring the energy, hopefully, of a three-game winning streak into that game and, and maybe it propels you to some better things. But th- this is it. Uh, they got to win these games because after Denver, they go on the road. They're at OKC. They're at Cleveland. They're at Boston. They're at Philly. They're at Washington. And, you know, a couple of teams that aren't that great there, but you're on the road for five games. And, you know, their last road trip, they went 0-3. So, like I said, the next 10 days, two weeks, I mean, this is it. 
this is it for me for this season. Yeah, no, that road trip is really going to be telling because after that, the Warriors only have three more road games. But to have five in a row like that, uh, yeah, I agree. How they come out of that is really going to say a lot. Yeah, and one of those, uh, two of those road games are in the same city on back-to-back nights in New Orleans, May 3rd and 4th. So, And then they're at Houston May 1st, and they're at Minnesota April 29th. So, again, games they should win if they, they think they're a playoff team, if that's what they're doing now. <laughs> I guess we're, we might finally get to the answer to the question we've been asking for weeks. What is this season about? What do they think this season is supposed to be? Uh, I hope Mr. Bazemore is prophetic. I haven't seen any reason to believe that they're ready to break open, but <laughs> if they are, okay, let's let's get it done. Yeah, well, they need to break open, and they need some other teams to maybe slide back, like Memphis and San Antonio. You'd like to move up into maybe the eighth spot, you know, just to have that advantage when you get into the the, the play-in games that they're going to have. Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I think it's going to be tough for them to get it past anything other than 10th because, uh, you know, unless the Spurs really stumble. Um, but if they're able to get down to ninth or 8th, uh, again, that would give them some positive momentum going into the postseason. It could end rather quickly. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think uh, for the NBA's sake, they sure would like to have Steph Curry in the playoffs. So, And, and, I, and I'd like to see him, and I'd, I'd like to see these other young players with him in the playoffs. But I think, uh, you know, what comes down to now is uh, they're going to have to play Steph certain nights, 38 minutes. There's just no getting around it if they really want to get to that playoff spot. And like I said, up to this point, we hadn't seen the urgency. And maybe we're seeing that now, and again, depending on the situation. And the situation was he needed him back in there early before the game slipped away tonight, and he had enough rest to do so. And I guess Steve Kerr talked to Steph about a pregame. So, I think that's that's got to be the way they do it. They've got to ride their star player, and you know, hopefully, he's in in good enough shape to get through all of this. And you know, I, it sounds like pain management with the tailbone, and hopefully, you're not uh, you know running up enough miles. Otherwise, it becomes the 21-22 preseason if things go sideways here, and then you're looking at resting steps. So, I think we'll get the answers to those questions in the next ten days to two weeks. All right, by the way, before we go, I think uh, some people aren't real clear on what happens uh, with the postseason play-in. And uh, just to reiterate uh, how important it is to be seven or eight, number seven in the standings. Yeah, they host the number eight team. The winner gets that number seven spot. The loser gets another chance in another game. You've got the number nine and ten teams playing each other, and the winner moves on to another game against that loser of that 7-8 game. Hopefully, hopefully I didn't make that too confusing, but I mean, it's hard when you're in the 9-10 and 10 spot, let's put it that way, it because you got to win two games, right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, for sure. I mean, all things being equal, yeah, you want to get out of that ninth or 10 spot if you can. I guess it's a, it's a small version of May Madness, but, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, what, what I'm looking at in the standings, realistically, is they're going to have to go on a run right now to start thinking about that because they're they're not catching Portland at six. They're probably not going to catch Dallas at seven. I think their most realistic chance is Memphis, and right now they're, what, two and a half? Yeah, it looks like two and a half out of, of, of Memphis in the eighth spot. So that that's probably their best-case scenario. And I don't think anybody wants to play Steph Curry. I mean, they don't want to play the Warriors, maybe. They don't want to play Steph Curry. I mean, he, you know, I mean, he may turn in some – 
incredible game, and the next thing you know, you're losing. And and then you know, even in a seven game series, you could end up losing a couple of games just because of him. Yeah, well, I, I say it all the time: puncher's chance with Steph in the lineup, and in a single elimination or one game, you got to win. Uh, very, very dangerous. And so, no, you don't want to be in that situation. You rather have it be in a in a longer series. So. Uh, it's a little twist they did this year that, you know, they had to be inventive because of, you know, the times we live in. They were able to get in 72 games. And like baseball, they reconfigured the postseason. It'll be back hopefully to normal by September, October. But in the meantime, this is what we got. And, you know, you got to make the best of it. Uh, it. It sure was looking like the Warriors were tumbling right out of that whole picture. So I, I just – I. Don't think it's an exaggeration to say that this was a season saver tonight. Well, absolutely. I saw you tweeted that. Good good point uh, that you made on Twitter and on the podcast. Thanks a lot, Ray, and look forward to talking to you again well, next week. Once in a while, I make a good point. Thanks for listening to the Dubs OT Warriors podcast. Join Joe Castellano and Ray Woodson again next week on thesportsvirus.com.